0: Today we're talking about how to be open, and the scripture that really resonated with me is when Jesus says, receive the kingdom of God like a child. In Mark 10, 13, Jesus says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, Jesus says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. So this story about Jesus bringing the children to him is recorded in three of the gospel books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's not the only time that Jesus tells his disciples and those around him to be childlike. In Matthew 18, 1 through 5, Jesus responds to the disciples' questions. They're asking him, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus answers by calling a little child to him. And using that child as example, he says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven therefore and this is how Jesus answers the question whoever takes the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me so why does the kingdom of heaven belong to children and why doesn't it belong to adults and the disciples who've worked hard and earned a place in the kingdom what secrets do children know instinctively that we have forgotten as adults and how are children so much more open to God than we are? These are the, ch- the thoughts that I was pondering as I thought about what to talk about when, with the topic of being open. And so since I'm not an expert in children and I'm not a mother, I consulted a true expert, Hannah Henry. <laughs> <laughs> and together we came up with this list of attributes that children display when they are open. So these children display obedience. They are secure in their identity. They are trusting, joyful and playful. They show wonder at the world around them and they are constantly learning and they know how to rest. And these are the characteristics that children display when they're being raised in a safe and loving family. So I first of all want to acknowledge that not all of us here had that sort of childhood. Some of us experienced terrible loss and abuse during childhood, which altered our ability to be children and thrust us way too early into the burdens and cares of adulthood. So for you, thinking about becoming a powerless child might be really difficult or even completely repugnant. And even if you don't connect with all of this message, I'd like to encourage you to be open to the idea that you have a heavenly father who is good, who has adopted you into a loving family, and who delights you just as you are. And who wants to heal you from the trauma of past hurts that you've endured. And for those of us like me who were incredibly lucky to be raised in a safe and loving family that showed me how to love through imperfection, I charge us with the responsibility to create that sort of loving atmosphere here in our church and in our community. So that those of us who doubt that it's possible can see the hope that accompanies love. So let us strive together to build a safe community where the broken can be made whole. So the aspects of children. these are the characteristics that I hope we can talk about, about being open. There's, I'm going to go through a lot of them. So uh, my hope is that one or two will resonate with you. And I'm going to start with the most difficult one first. So please hang in there. uh, And that is obedience. So as a child, my parents expected me to be obedient to them and to others in authority. While they usually tried to explain the reason why they were asking me to be obedient, you know, hey, Megan, it's not a good idea to touch the hot stovetop, right? Sometimes they simply answered because I said so. Yeah, it's a hard one. Do we accept that response from God when he gives it? Or do we feel entitled to a full response every time? So let's take the story of Job. At the beginning of this story, Job is righteous, he's wealthy, And he's a blessed man. He has many children and many possessions. He's got it all going on for him. But despite his righteous living, God allows a series of tragic events to befall Job. First of all, his ten children die in tragic accidents. All of his possessions and his wealth is destroyed in natural disasters. And then Job is struck with a terrible and painful illness. And his family, or well, his wife, and all of his friends come around him, and they they try to help him cope by finding a reason for this tragic turn of events. They blame Job, saying that he must have sinned to earn God's wrath. But Job maintains that he's been blameless, and he cries out to God for answers. And how does God answer Job? God demands obedience without answers. He says, because I said so. Chapters 38 through 41 in the book of Job delivers God's rant about the differences between man's comprehension and God's divinity, which the whole thing, this whole rant that God goes through just drips with sarcasm when he says things like, where were you when I I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. What is the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the path to their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. And then God says, Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? And this rant that that God goes through, it culminates in this kind of like epic mic drop that God proclaims. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. I can just hear the fatherness of God in this. um, And it's not necessarily a pretty picture of God as father, but it does create like this dynamic. It does show the dynamic between God as deity, God as father, man as child. And um, in our affinity for Jesus, the combination of both humanity and divinity, I think we sometimes downplay the deity of God. Seeing God as Father and recognizing our role as children is to recognize that we don't have the same capacity, knowledge, or experience as God. His because I said so is something we must be willing to hear and to obey. In Jesus' capacity as fully human, he was willing to be obedient by becoming a suffering servant, even to the point of death. In his humanity, Jesus had to surrender control of his life to God and practice obedience. And so what happens to Job? In the end, Job repents of his need for answers, and he surrenders control to God. He just, God forgives him. And God restores to Job all that was lost, children, wealth, possessions, and his health. So I encourage us to practice obedience to be as children by surrendering control and being open to God's because I said so. The second aspect that children display is that they are secure in their identity. So the good news is that if we are open to being obedient to God's authority as father, we can also be open to our identity as children of God, heirs of the promise, princes and princesses of the kingdom of God. Even before He made the world, God loved us, and He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. This is God's heart for us. He accepts us and loves us just as we are, as he created us to be. Children get this right. They have no problem being exactly who they are and expecting to be accepted and loved for it. Just watch any group of children playing together and you see their natural personalities, their gifts, and their strengths. But somewhere along the line, we are told that we need to change in order for society to accept us and in order for God to love us. And this causes a crisis of identity. Personally, I was told many times as a child that I needed to stop being bossy. (laughs) I was told that girls are not supposed to be bossy. Instead of being taught how to respect the feelings of others and to channel my natural gift for leadership, I was told that I needed to change a fundamental aspect of my personality. And I'm, honestly, I'm still unwrapping the damage that has done to my identity. But here's the truth. God made me to be a leader, and he made me to be bossy. God also gifted me with the discernment to know when leading crosses the line into being controlling. And God challenges me to put the needs of others ahead of my own. So rightly practiced, our honest identities are gifts to our community. As Pastor Henry is fond of saying, there is only one unique you, created by God and loved exactly as you are. There is nothing more life-giving than embracing that reality and sharing your authentic identity with the others around you, just as a child would. So let us practice identity by rejecting those times when you've been made to feel inadequate and accepting one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. <coughs> so the next aspect of children, and this, you know, having, being in your authentic identity requires trust. And children are trusting, especially when it comes to the fact that their parents will take care of everything. And I'm not just talking about like a roof over your head and belly and your, f- or food in your belly. I'm talking about trusting in your parents to make your dreams come true. So recently, I had the pleasure of talking to uh, Cora and Loretta, who are Nate and Tamara's little girls. Um, And of course, the topic of conversation was birthdays. And each little girl spoke with glee and delight about as they described their wishes for their upcoming birthdays. So I have a picture here I'd love you to put up. Okay, I think these are what... um, Loretta was describing. They are squishy toys, and she just talked with such glee and lit up as she talked about the squishies that would be at her party. Okay, and then the next picture. Cora talked about the fact that she was going to have a llama at her birthday party. And the funny thing was, is, is uh, as she was talking, Tamara and I exchanged this look, and it was basically, the subtext was, I don't know how we're going to find a llama. <laughs> but... I don't think that idea ever crossed Cora's mind. She fully trusted that her parents would fulfill the desires of her heart. And even if it wasn't with a llama, I have no doubt that Nate and Tamara will do everything in their power to make both Loretta and Cora feel loved and special every single day of their lives. And that builds trust. Even with imperfect parents, there's a cycle of love, imperfection, forgiveness, and trust. Jesus said, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today is trouble enough for today. God wants to provide for us so much more, than good earthly parents do. But I think I have trouble with that. And as I was preparing for this message, I kind of, you know, James, my husband, is a little bit of a sounding board. And so I confessed to him, I said, you know, I don't think I really believe that God is good. And I don't really think I trust him. And James, was, James knows I have a deep fondness and love for my earthly father, my dad. And so he said, I want you to compare your thoughts and your feelings about your dad with your thoughts and your feelings about God. And I did, and I kind of took a moment, stepped back, and I realized I wouldn't for a second blame my dad for the actions of others that have interfered or hurt me in my life. But I definitely hold God responsible for the, the actions of third parties that have that have really hurt me in my life. And I had to search the scriptures um, and, and see kind of what God had to say about this. And I had to be okay with the tension of what I found there, which is that God says he's good, and that he wants to provide for my needs. But he also permits free will in order to let love operate. And a child would resiliently hope and trust in what God says he is. So let us trust by examining the circumstances that are keeping us from trusting God and search the scriptures for who God says he is and be open to believing it. The next thing that children, children show is joy. Jesus said, until now you have not asked for anything in my name, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. I love this verse because it combines the concepts of trust and joy, you ask with trust and the result is joy. Joy, as it is used here, means the awareness of God's grace and favor. It is the practice of gratitude rooted in my heart so deeply that it produces an awareness of just how fortunate I am. So when I thought about this, I, I re- reflected on my prayers uh, that I've prayed to God and trust And I wondered, do I spend time meditating on the many times when God has given me incredible blessings? Or do I fixate on the times when I feel like my prayer has gone unanswered or that he has somehow failed me? And I'm ashamed to say that I think I fixate more on the stuff that's gone wrong than on the times when God has really blessed me. There are times in my life where I have experienced incredible blessing. And so one of those is, um, is when James and I bought our house. So uh, about five years ago, James and I were in a period of personal crisis, um, and we had a lot of upheaval going on in our lives, and we lived in this itty-bitty one-bedroom apartment, and it was so small that we could not have our dog. We have a Husky, and he needs space, and he needs a place to be. Um, so we were we were in this one bedroom apartment, no dog, and it just felt cramped. And we needed we needed I needed somewhere to root, somewhere to nest, somewhere to be my own space. And so James and I started this journey of um, of looking for a house to buy. And at the time, James was not employed; he was a student. So we were really just Working with my income, trying to get a mortgage and and move forward. So I was I was praying one evening, just in bed, praying about it, praying about my desire for a house. And God gave me this vision all of a sudden of a beautiful like one-story house with you know half brick, half siding, with a beautiful door right in the middle, and all these little green bushes out in front. And I just with this vision, I just had this sense of of love of peace, of the fact that God knew the desire of my heart and wanted to give it to me. So I, I had that moment of, of peace with God, and I said, oh, thank you, God, you're so sweet, but you must be talking about the 10-year plan, right? I laughed because I was like, God, do you know how much houses cost in this area? That's not going to happen. But in faith, I told James and I told several other people about this vision, and I said, you know, just in case it comes to pass, you know, I'll have, I'll have recorded it. So, James and I started working with the real estate agent and looking at condos in our price range. And uh, we even actually put an offer in on a condo that was in our price range. And at the same time, I kept an eye on the market, just, you know, in case this house popped up, and it did. So I, uh, it was way above our price range, but I demanded the real estate agent take James and I to go see it, and James and this real estate agent, the entire time we were there, kept poking fun at me about all the things that the house needed, all of the improvements it needed, um, and, and just really trying to talk me out of the idea that this would be our house, you know, trying to let me down gently. Um, but after we got done looking at the house, I knew it was it. It matched my vision. You know, what else, what more can you ask for? So I prayed about it a little bit more. We we got out of the contract that we were already in on the condo. And I told the real estate agent, look, I really think that they're gonna take what we can offer. Will it's offer them our highest and best. And it was still like significantly under budget. And the real estate agent, you know, gave me this nice lecture about, you know, that's not how it works around here. We don't, people people bid up, they don't give low ball offers, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, you know what, it all worked out, that's our house. <laughs> and it's a complete God thing, and it's just such a story of not only the provision, but the peace and the, the reliance on God through it. And if I, you know, I live there, you'd think it would be more in front of my mind all of the, all of the time, but if I rested in the, um, the joy of how God has provided for us through this, instead of, instead of marinating so much on the things that have not gone entirely according to plan, I think that I would experience and live out joy just as a child does. So I encourage you to practice joy by being mindful of the blessings in your life. And as Pastor James has uh, suggested before, to write out things that you are grateful for. Okay, we're gonna get into a couple of quicker aspects here. So this one really needs no description, but children play, obviously. Um, and we ought to consider how play and imagination can add to our openness to God. The message translation of Ephesians three twenty through 21 provides, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess, or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. You know, I'm guilty of losing a sense of play and imagination when I'm confronted with the facts of a circumstance, the fear of failure and the duties of life. But I think that a key part of becoming more open to God is being playful, having the freedom to fail or to succeed, and imagining a world full of love. So let us practice play by taking time to dream with God or doing something that you find playful and inviting God to participate. Children are also full of wonder. Have you noticed that they are fascinated by the wildest things? I mean, it could be a bug or it could be a rainbow and children just experience wonder at the world around them. But in order to experience wonder, you have to be present in the moment. The psalmist saying, the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. When do you experience wonder? For me, I'm drawn close to wonder. Um, Wonder at the creation when I go hiking. Maybe you experience wonder when you think about science or the laws by which the world operates. Maybe you experience wonder in art or music. So I encourage you to practice wonder by becoming mindful of the present, by breathing, and then turn your awareness to the wonders that are around you. Children learn, they are in a constant state of learning and they don't assume that they know everything. While children may be very happy to share the latest tidbit of what what they've learned with you, they don't take that newfound knowledge to mean that they have plumbed the depths of the subject Children may incessantly ask, why? 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 But the foundation of that question is that they recognize they don't know it all. There's a humility to a child who embraces the role of a student. How often do I I assume that role with God or with others, humbly seeking and admitting that I don't know it all? Proverbs adds this little tidbit. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. And I love the way that this verse exhorts those who are already wise to continue to listen and add to their learning, and those who are already discerning to continue getting guidance from others and from God. So let us practice learning by having a conversation with someone who holds an opinion that is different than yours. Listen to what they say and assume you may be wrong. Rest. So after a day full of play, learning, wonder, obedience, joy, children are able to rest. And that rest is deep and safe because they are secure in who they are and they trust those who watch over them. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things you have committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus begins the statement about his promised rest by saying that it will be elusive for the learned but accessible to children. The revelation of God is through Jesus and Jesus says that the key to understanding that revelation is approaching it as children. In order to rest, we must humbly trust Jesus with our burdens and take on the characteristics of children. By practicing these characteristics, we are applying the antidote to the things that close us off from God. We become open to experiencing and hearing from God by removing the barriers that keep us closed off. So, obedience is the antidote to willfulness, identity is the antidote to falsehood and lies, trust is the antidote to hurt and mistrust, joy is the antidote to bitterness. Play is the antidote to endless and fruitless toil. Wonder is the antidote to depression. Learning is the antidote to pride. And rest is the antidote to busyness. Let us be open and receive the kingdom of God as children. Would you all join me in prayer? God, we're thankful that your way is easy that if we are as children, we are able to experience you and be open to your goodness and your kingdom and all that you have intended for us. We thank you with sincere gratitude this morning. Amen. Lord, I want love like you. I want to feel what you feel. I want to see what you see. I want to love like you, I want to feel what you feel, I want to see what you see.